0: Coming up on this week's show, we head to the North Pole with Coastal Magic featured author, Charlie Cochet. This is the Big Gay Fiction Podcast,
1: the show for avid readers and passionate fans of gay romance fiction. Each week, we bring you exclusive author interviews, book recommendations, and explore the latest in gay pop culture. Welcome to episode 216 of the Big Gay Fiction Podcast. I'm Will from willkness.com and with me as always is my co-host and husband, Mr. Jeff Adams. Hi, everybody. This episode of the podcast is brought to you in part by our remarkable community on Patreon. A big thank you to Robin for joining us recently. We'll have more information on how you can join her at the end of the show, along with a sneak peek of what we have coming up for you next
0: week. And to kick off this week, we want to wish everyone in the US who is celebrating a very happy Thanksgiving. We hope you have a fun, safe and happy time. No matter how you choose to spend the long weekend, I know some of mine will be spent curled up watching parades on the TV (laughs) and all the fun stuff that comes with that. So excited about that. I guess to move forward now, we actually have a bit of an announcement that we want to make. Yes.
1: This past week, we decided to release a statement regarding a situation that has been ongoing in the gay romance community. And to clarify before we read that statement, we want to let you know that we were once published with Dream Spinner Press. When problems with that particular publisher became apparent this past spring, we took a cautious wait and see approach. But as the months sort of dragged on. This past summer, we finally made the decision to sever our business ties with the company and asked for our rights back. We received them, and we've been largely silent on the matter since then. Problems with the company have continued, and if anything, they have only gotten worse. And we were worried that our silence on this particular matter was in some way a tacit endorsement of their behavior. It most assuredly is not. This is the statement we posted on all of our social media channels this past week concerning the new editorial policies of the
0: podcast. If your job decided that they didn't feel like paying you anymore, would you still get up every day and go to work? Our guess is probably not. If a company profited from product created by its workforce but didn't pay them, would you still support that company? Our guess is probably not. These are questions that Dream Press has forced fans and authors of gay romance to consider. A series of financial, business, and PR decisions by DreamSpinner Press over the past year have turned the gay romance genre upside down. Unless readers paid particularly close attention to social media, most are likely unaware of the turmoil DreamSpinner has caused. Here's the truth. Royalty payments due to authors have either stopped completely or are months behind schedule. Authors are hurting, publishing plans thrown into chaos, careers have been damaged. People who have written some of the most beloved stories in our genre cannot afford basic necessities or to put food on their table this holiday season. Here at the Big Gay Fiction Podcast, we believe that authors must be paid for their work. Period. End of discussion. They should not have to beg or threaten legal action to receive the money that they have earned. It should not have to be stated, but we're saying it anyway. Not paying someone for their work is unacceptable. It is a moral and ethical line that should not and cannot be crossed. It is for this reason that we can no longer in good conscience promote work published by DreamSpinner Press. In the past, we have heartily endorsed DreamSpinner titles on this podcast. Those episodes will remain in the backlist unchanged. They represent our opinions at that time. To be clear, we still cherish those stories and love those talented authors. It is our feelings about the publisher that are now very different. Why do we make this statement now? We do not want our silence on the matter to be misconstrued as an endorsement of Dream Spinner. After months of witnessing what has happened to authors in our beloved genre, we can no longer operate business as usual. Moving forward, due to the business practices of the publisher, we are no longer supporting or endorsing Dream Spinner Press. If you'd like to read the complete statement for yourself, it
1: will be available on the show notes page for this episode. If you'd like more information regarding the situation with Dream Spinner Press, we're providing a link to an article from September from Writer Beware, the respected watchdog website that keeps on top of issues that affect writers and the publishing community.
2: Hi, I'm Jay from the LGBTQ Romance Review blog, Joyfully Jay. At Joyfully Jay, we review tons of LGBTQ romance, as well as romantic fiction and nonfiction, We review ebooks, audiobooks, and even the occasional movie. We typically review about 18 books a week, so Joyfully J is a great place to hear about new releases, catch up on books you may have missed, and find some new favorites. In addition to our reviews, each weekday we host an author as our first post of the day. This gives readers a chance to learn more about new releases, get exclusive excerpts, find out about the author, and participate in great giveaways. Each author post on Joyfully J is exclusive, so you get access to book and author information you can't find other places. At Joyfully J, we love LGBTQ romance and are excited to share it with you. Stop by the blog at joyfullyj.com. You can also visit us on our Facebook group, The Joyful Jays. We'd love to have you join us.
0: So in a recent episode, I know we talked about Eastsiders coming back to Netflix on December 1st for their fourth and final season. This past week, they dropped the trailer for that season, and I'm oh so happy to see where this is going. There's a wedding in the offing, which I think has been a long time coming, and just every single scene of the trailer made me so ridiculously happy. I'm putting the link in the show notes so you can go check it out on YouTube. We will definitely be binging it in the first part of December to see. What everybody's up to as they bring this wonderful series to an end. And honestly, if you haven't watched the first three seasons, you should just go binge those on Netflix this week to get ready for season four. Now, before we get to our book
1: reviews, I want to talk about a recent release on Blu-ray. I don't know about you, but when I was in high school, girls were obsessed with books
0: by V.C. Andrews. I remember going through that time, although this may sound a little weird. It was my mom who was obsessed with books by V.C. Andrews. She had... Every single one of those books in her library, and she devoured them. <laughs> and
1: my guess is is that if you're listening to this podcast and are of a certain age, you probably devoured these books as well. And the reason I'm bringing this up is that recently, the Flowers in the Attic movie adaptation from 1987 was recently released on Blu-ray. Now, I'll be perfectly honest, I have actually never read a V.C. Andrews book, but I am obsessed with this movie because it is so completely bonkers. From the very first moment I saw it, I was just transfixed by its just weird, gothic gloominess, but over-the-top campiness. There's something so special and so unique about this movie. It holds a very special place in my heart.
0: Is this one of those that you caught on cable like oh, yeah. when it
1: re-aired 5,000 times? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I've watched this countless times. And the Blu-ray is wonderful. Not only is the movie itself remastered, it has a crap ton of special bonus extras, not the least of which is some commentary, different interviews with people who were involved with the production of the film way back when, 30 years ago now. It's been a long
0: time. It is one of those that's way up there in age, yes.
1: (laughs) But the most special thing about this Blu-ray release is that it contains the original ending of the movie. Apparently, when they released the rough cut of the film to test audiences, people hated it. So contained on this disc, they have incredibly rough beta copy of the rough work cut of the original ending. So it absolutely looks like crap, but it gives you a peek into what they were originally intending to end this craptastic wonderful
0: <laughs> movie. I have to say that I walked in while you were watching that particular bit and I all I wanted to do was walk up to the to the VCR and adjust the tracking because <laughs> no. it was so terrible.
1: <laughs> So if you are a fan of the books, and if you are a fan of this particular movie, I recommend
0: checking out the Blu-ray. I think it's wonderful. Yeah, he's kind of been obsessed with it this week. And I I have to say, I never got on that bandwagon. I didn't do that movie, and I've never looked at the ones that uh, Lifetime has done to remake the series. The Lifetime remake movies
1: are kind of wonderful and bat-crap crazy in their own very special way, too.
0: I love those as well. All right. On to the books we go for this week. I want to start off with Adriana Herrera's American Love Story. This is the book three in the Dreamer series. And I have to say that for me, this is one of my favorite author finds and one of my favorite series of this year. And of course, we'll talk a lot more about top books in 2019 as we get into December, but I was so excited to read this book. This time out, we get Haitian-born Professor Patrice, and Assistant District Attorney Easton. Uh, Now, we've seen these two in other books and seen some of the foundation of their relationship, but now Patrice has moved off to Ithaca to teach at Cornell, uh, and that means he and Easton are now in the same town. They've had a fling, but you know what? Now they're there and they can smolder together in closer proximity to each other. The thing is, Patrice wants no distractions. He's intent on focusing on his work at Cornell, and settling into this community. And you know, he's just, he's playing it close to the vest and Easton so badly wants to see what they can get together because they have all these sparks, but it gets even closer. This this close proximity thing would so work for you because Patrice ends up living in a building that Easton owns because Patrice is having trouble actually getting into the original apartment that he'd rented. So now they're like a few floors apart from each other. But as all this starts to build up for them, we've got the sheriff department in, in and around Ithaca making random stops of persons of color, usually men for going just barely over the speed limit. I mean, we're talking like five miles over the speed limit. And this starts to point out a really big clash between these two men. Easton as the ADA is not able by, by his boss to really take a lot of action here. And while he wrestles with not being able to take a bit of a stand on this issue and be able to start to maybe correct it with the sheriff's department, he's a little bit stuck and Patrice doesn't understand why Easton isn't out there trying to really use his position for good. And it really sets them to be on a a hugely diametrically opposed path because Patrice is out there using his Twitter account, calling it out, working on... Setting up demonstrations around this because he passionately believes, of course, that this is wrong and it needs to stop. And he really wants Easton to step up. There are some very interesting battles between the two over the course of the book over this. And it really, you know, pulls at their relationship. And it's interesting here how Adriana has taken both the external and the internal conflict. And almost made them to be of one. Because each of these men wants to do right by each other. Each of these men wants to better community. And it is, this is the root of their problem that these things are happening in the community and keeping them apart on both levels. I love how Adriana has made their two worlds being so different. How Patrice was brought up, how he was raised, how he has to carry himself in this age that we live in when persons of color can be so targeted. And then you get the flip side of Easton's very privileged, not only upbringing, but the fact that he is a white cisgendered male. And she paints these things as both what has made them who they are and what they must grow beyond. It's really, I think, what makes this book unique, at least in the reading of romance that I've done so much of the of romance is a bit of a fantasy element and here so much of it is just rooted in today's headlines and things that affect people things that affect community and how these two work their way through it to the other side i just loved it so so much as usual she's also got her wonderful cast of supporting characters not just the folks that we've seen so many times in these books with Patrice's friends and Easton's friends there's a great B story in here as Ari and and Yin who are workers at Nesto's restaurant have issues around their relationship and Ari trying to come out and a really terrible uncle who's involved in in trying to keep Ari, you know, in the closet and you know being the man he's supposed to be. Easton has some really nice moments and Patrice too, helping those two out. I think everybody just needs to read these stories. If you've not picked up the Dreamer series so far, these books are so excellent and such a picture of America today that I think everybody just really needs to read them. And Adriana does such an amazing job of the love story here too, as these two work through their issues and find their way together. I have no doubt that they have made the most solid foundation for themselves and they're happily ever after. I just I can't say enough about American Love Story and this series in general.
1: Fantastic. The book that I read this past week was a seasonal offering.
0: Yes, here comes Christmas folks. It starts <laughs> here right now. <laughs>
1: <laughs> this past week I read the most recent release by A. E. Reichart. It's called a Christmas Wedding. And guess what happens in this book? I
0: think there might be a wedding and maybe it happens over Christmas.
1: Exactly. This is the third installment in the Jack and Rory series. It began last year with the release of A Kiss Before Christmas. It continued this past spring with An Easter Promise. And now we get the third installment of Rory and Jack's continuing love story with A Christmas Wedding. This book takes place two years after the two main characters first met, and it sort of details where they are at in their lives right now. And I'm going to be, this is going to be a hard review because both characters are so damn nice. They're nice guys just living their life and doing their thing, and it's just incredibly sweet and satisfying. So if you like your romances on the sweeter side, I highly recommend this series. If you want angst 24-7. I'm going to be upfront. This is not the book for you. In this installment, Rory and Jack are successfully running their new business, a bakery, featuring all of the wonderful treats that Rory creates. It's going gangbusters. They're incredibly busy. And during the holiday season, not only are they trying to run their business successfully, they're also trying to plan their holiday wedding. And Jack's mom, Diana, is actually a very big part of this, and Rory is left a little uneasy because uh, <laughs> he and Jack wanted a very like small, intimate affair, but Diana does not do anything small. She's very <laughs> upper crust. She's very staunch, as little Edie might say. So he's a little bit wary about the direction that Diana is taking things, but He's known her for a little while now, and he trusts her enough to take the reins of this particular project. So while they're busy dealing with the business and the wedding, someone from Rory's past shows up, and he has to deal with not only that relationship, but how that might fit into his you know, future life with the man that he loves. It's really interesting. I think a lot of this book is about... Uh, found family and what that means to these two characters. Mm -hmm. It's really wonderful and really delightful. One of the highlights of the book is actually a very quiet, very simple scene, but I thought was absolutely hilarious. One evening, Diana comes over to Rory and Jack's apartment, and they're just like hanging out, drinking cider, doing Christmassy things. And Diana is telling them the story of the recent disaster at the Christmas festival in the village. Jack's family is incredibly upper crust. They have an estate and it's essentially his family's job to help run this village. It's a job that Diana takes very seriously. And so while she's relating this tale of how Desmond the donkey ruined the Christmas festival, she makes it abundantly clear several times that it wasn't Desmond's fault. He was provoked. And the reason she insists on that is because she is the one who personally chose Desmond to take part in these festivities. And if she had picked an ill-tempered donkey, it would reflect very poorly on her. (laughs) It's utterly... It's very dry and witty and very hilarious and very British. Eventually things get sorted out and no surprise there's a wonderful wedding to cap everything off. I've really enjoyed this entire series and I highly recommend everyone go back. If you like sweet and you like nice, this is the book for you. I recommend A Christmas Wedding
0: by A.E. Reichardt. And AE's actually going to join us on the podcast the week of December 16th. That'll be episode 219. She'll not only be talking about this book, but she's got another Christmas book on the way too that we'll talk all about in that episode as well. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that one too. So I also went down the Christmas path today. I'm sorry I'm treading a little bit on your on your area because I know Christmas is your thing. Tread away. There are so many <laughs> good Christmas books out right now. Uh, this week, as you know, I interviewed Charlie Cochet. We talked a lot about the North Pole City series, which she's actually started re-releasing this past week and is having Merry Mondays each week through December 20, 23rd, I believe, to put this series back out. And she talked about it so just... She captured my heart. Let's just call it what it was. She captured my heart in the way that she talked about this series. And I'm like, let me go see. And these are short little, you know, holiday truffles, if you will, that you could just pick one up and read it lickety split because they're so they're so uh, bite-sized portioned. What I I have to say that as I got into it, there is very much a distinct vibe here of like Disney's prep and landing which features the elf squad at the North Pole who kind of make Santa's adventures happen on Christmas Eve. But there's also a a bit of like the older Rankin-Bass Christmas specials like Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer and Jack Frost and Year Without Santa Claus and all those. And it all kind of blends together in this really fascinating way. The first book I read, which was book one in the series was Mending Noel. This is very enemies to lovers in just a very delicious Christmassy way. We've got office workers, Tim and Noel. Noel is Tim's boss, and he has been an absolute meanie head to Tim <laughs> over and over again. They've worked together for a long time, and where Noel was once all happy and you know nice and a decent boss, he's more recently just been an ass <laughs> to Tim. And one night Tim is working late at the office and he has to receive the cold delivery and not only ends up the victim of another of of Noel's almost kind of pranks, but also he and Noel end up hearing something that they shouldn't have. There's something afoot, a plot against Jack Frost, um, who is the Frost Prince and the general of the Toy Soldier Army. They end up getting rescued from their pursuers because, of course, they've been caught overhearing by none other than the captain of the reindeer, Rudy. And actually, they end up and get help from Rudy and Jack Frost because it seems Rudy and Jack have been having an affair for years that no one knows about. And whatever is going to be happening is going to come up at, guess where, the Christmas ball. Because, of (laughs) course, you know. North Pole is going to be having a pageant and a ball and a thing for Christmas. <laughs> now, ultimately, the, the super sweet thing here is it's Jack and Rudy who helped Tim and Noel find their way to each other because these two immediately see that Noel, Noel isn't being a jerk on purpose. He's being a jerk because he likes you and he can't sort that out for himself. Now, what makes this so super duper sweet is that Tim and Noel are both a little broken. Tim is the tiniest elf among all the elves, despite his lineage. And then there's Noel, who can't sense all of, all the stuff of Christmas because he's colorblind and he can't smell right. So they each have their their thing that they you know they kind of take in as being the reason why nobody would ever want them. Now, of course, everybody bands together to make sure that everything goes good at the ball and make sure that Tim and Noel can launch their way on this HEA, which does not mean that they're not prickly with each other anymore, <laughs> but it's a lot more of an adorable prickle than a I hate you prickle. It's just all so sweet and it's really nice to see the understanding that Jack and Rudy have been together for so many years because these two are actually at, this, at the focal point of book two, which I also read, which is called The Heart of the Frost. And this particular book is re-released today, the Monday that this episode comes out. This picks up a year after Mending Knoll, and it's been relatively quiet since the news broke that, you know, Jack the Prince and Rudy the Captain of the Reindeer have been carrying on this relationship. There's some some folks who are not so thrilled that this relationship has been happening, but by and large, it's been okay. Now, the imprisoned Mouse King is about to receive his final sentence before he's going to go off and be frozen in in prison for, for all time to be. But just before that happens, someone actually sabotages Rudy's plane that he's making a test flight before Christmas in. And of course, Jack saves him, but now Jack has to find out who tried to kill his lover and what's going on there. And as he starts to do this, he starts to slip back into being the cold and ruthless person he was before he and Rudy got together. And the thing that makes this particular story oh so sweet is we get to go and hear how Jack and Rudy got together during their academy years and during Elf College and how Rudy ultimately saved Jack from himself and turned him into the person that he is today, where yes, he is still super duper frosty, but... He's tempered because of his warm heart. And of course, some of that relies on, you know, even how the Grinch stole Christmas, you know, (laughs) tropes around (laughs) how your heart grows and you're a good person finally. So the quest is on to not only keep Jack, Jack's heart from icing over again, but to also find the bad guy. And of course, I love a good romantic suspense. And while this certainly is light suspense, there is a good mystery involved here on who is trying to, you know, put this wedge between Jack and Rudy, uh, which I really enjoyed. And honestly, I didn't figure it out before the revelations were made either. But like I said, the most enjoyable thing here is just how Jack and Rudy fell in love, how they ground each other and how they have been together for hundreds of years, because, you know, elves live a good long time. Mm -hmm. Um, And of course, once again, Christmas is saved and they get back to their HEA. And to Charlie's credit, it's not every author who can take a couple who you already know from a previous book is in an HEA and rip them apart in such a successful way and then bring it back together again. So kudos to Charlie for that. So if you're looking for even more Christmassy fun, I highly recommend the North Pole City series by Charlie Cochet, which will be rolling back out to everybody over the weeks leading into Christmas. If you're interested in learning more about the books that we've just spoke
1: about or anything else that we've talked about in this week's episode, all you have to do is go to the show notes page for episode 216 at biggayfictionpodcast.com. Want to hang out with us between shows? Check us out on Facebook, you never know what we might post, news about book sales, bonus video content, and maybe even a live broadcast or two. Like us today at facebook.com slash big gay fiction podcast and see what we get up to next.
0: So as I mentioned, I talked to Charlie Cochet this week. We talked about those re-releases of the North Pole City series. We talked about the re-releases and the beautiful new covers that she's got for the third series as well as some new stuff that's coming up on the horizon into 2020 as well. So let's talk to Charlie now. Charlie, welcome back to the podcast. It's so good to have you here.
3: Thank you so much for having me. It's great to be here.
0: It's always enjoyable. You've got so much stuff going on and I wanna start it with the holiday season. This is coming out the week of Thanksgiving and you're in the midst of re-releasing your Christmas series. Tell us all about that.
3: Yes, so the North Pole City Tales series Is going into KU and it's we're calling them Merry Mondays because they're coming out every Monday between today and the 23rd of December. There's six novellas and they're just very, they're the kind of stories you kind of look for in the holidays. So they're very sweet, they're fun, they're low angst, and they're sort of fantasy. And that takes place in the North Pole, and you have uh, these Christmas elves. And it was a lot of fun to write because I got to be creative with cursing. <laughs> because if you have, you know, these these sweet elves in the North Pole, they're not going to, like, swear like some of my other guys do. So I had to come up with some really creative Christmassy curses. So you're going to find things like, you know, Holy Holly and for Kringle's sake in the books. So it, that was super fun was coming up with those. They You have these like Jack Frost and his relationship with Rudy, who's the captain of the reindeer squadron. And so the Christmas elves are elf pilots, and they're the ones who deliver presents on Christmas Eve, and it's all the shenanigans and adventures and trouble they get themselves into. So each book is a different couple, and it sort of has a little overall story arc throughout it too. But it's just a lot of fun, and it's very festive, lots of hot cocoa and falling snow, and you know everything you want to get cozy to even here in Florida we're having a wee bit of a cold front it's in the 50s now so we're Uh-oh, just oh let's like, break
0: the sweater weather out for Florida
3: yes, bust out the winter coats <laughs> <laughs> it's a whole 55 degrees so yeah it's it's just a uh, it's just a fun little thing and and those are releasing every monday now and they're all in KU so you know if you want to binge read if you're a KU reader and want to binge read those
0: are there perfect time of year for the binge reading the holiday stories
3: yes yes
0: (laughs) and you're re-releasing a lot right now and you've got a lot of work going into KU for the first time for those readers tell us how the re-releases are going and what folks have to look forward to besides the North Pole series in the coming weeks
3: Obviously, because they're Christmas stories, they're coming out for the the holiday season. But I'm also releasing on Thursdays my thirds books. The thirds, the whole series is going into KU for the first time. Previously, I think book one was in KU for a little bit to kind of try it out. But now it's the entire series, and they're releasing about every two weeks on a Thursday. And right now, books one through three are out, and four will be coming out this Thursday. And so again, it's, it's one of those things it's in KU for the first time, it was kind of daunting a little bit previously, because it's a long series. It's a 10 book series. (laughs) So I I think it's, it's perfect for KU, because if you do love to binge read, and, and you enjoy a long series, or you enjoy binge reading series, that that whole series for the first time is in KU. So it's really exciting. They're all getting new covers, they're getting reproofed since I'm re-releasing about 35 titles. So all those books have to be uh, recovered and reproofed and re-released, but it can't be done all at once because then it's just uh, like all these <laughs> a million books. But I'm really excited that they're all going into KU for the first time because I was a wide-released author and I started self-pubbing last year. I kind of end up with two audiences. So I had, my, I had my wide-release audience and then I picked up my KU readers who primarily read in KU and so for them all these books are new to them and they get to read them for the first time and I'm really excited that you know if they couldn't pick up any of these books before they couldn't pick up this long series before they have the chance now to do that so I had to of course prioritize what I released when so the third series is my biggest series so that's releasing first at Christmas for the holidays and then the third's finish releasing end of February. So after that will be the Beyond the Books and Love and Pain, which is a spin-off Thirds Universe title. And then the Soldati and then some of my other other books, other releases. So it's exciting. It's it's a lot of stuff going on. Plus I'll be releasing new stuff uh, in between.
0: What's it like revisiting these books? Are they just getting reproofed, or are you adding anything into them as they come out for their, their second editions?
3: Um, that was something I thought about a lot, because, you know, as authors, we're always growing, and, you know, Hell and High Water came out in 2014, I wrote it in 2012, so there's always that that kind of... Uh, temptation to go in and go through it. I know that if I went through it and read it I'd want to rewrite stuff because we learn from our mistakes and we we grow but the thing is there's so many readers who fell in love with the thirds as it is so I didn't want to go in there and make any big changes because then it's a new book. The moment you start mm-hmm. making changes to the story, suddenly it's not the book that you wrote originally. So I decided I was just gonna proof it for um, anything that got missed in edits the first time because uh, as many authors know, no matter how many times a book is read, something always gets missed, a dropped word, something is spelled wrong, so we, I put it through the proofing process again for all those little, all those little things that might have gotten missed the first time. Uh, I think for Catch and Tiger, I just added a scene, but it was a scene that was in Beyond the Books, so it's sort of a continuation of a chapter that several, one of my best friends and several readers felt very strongly it should have been in there to begin with, <laughs> <laughs> um, which is how she became my beta reader. So I decided to put that um, into the book, but generally that it's that's what it's been. It's just kind of been rehashing, but I. I always i'm on my facebook reader group quite often so if there's any actual content changes i always i let i make sure to let my readers know because i also for my readers who do own the books that way they're not wondering well do i need to buy the book again because there's you know all these changes so if they already bought the book there isn't a need for them to rebuy it yeah. so yeah it's just just keeping them up to date but no big changes so far
0: as a fan of thirds, I will say that they might almost be worth that rebuy for those amazing new Reese Dante covers.
3: <laughs> Aren't they? Oh, I mean, you know, I'm not going to get into Sloan, but I mean, Sloan and Ash, I, I, I'd have to say, like, Sloan looks amazing. I mean, I love Dex, but Sloan looks amazing. But then she gave me Ash, and now I'm like, oh, now Sloan has some competition because... You know, <laughs> yeah. And for who, who people, could read this bad boy.
0: <laughs> for people who weren't at GRL to appreciate the life-size version of the banner you had there, wow. <laughs> yeah,
3: <laughs> there were there were quite a few offers of people you know who were very happy to take him home if I didn't feel like lugging it all the way back home.
0: <laughs> I don't doubt it. <laughs> and you mentioned earlier that you'd done some self-publishing. Before you got into all this re-release, how does it feel now to have really made that transition from a more traditionally published author for the majority of your work to now owning the whole process end to end for everything?
3: It's it's re- really exciting. I think I've. Like, a part of me kind of wishes that I'd started self pupping sooner, but then another part of me feels that I started doing it when it was time for me to do it because things made sense. Like, I understood the production process. So, you know, actually, you know, knowing what I had to do was a lot of work, but I understood it. So it wasn't like I needed to be explained about how about hiring editors or hiring proofers or hiring a cover artist because I already knew how all that worked. I didn't have to, it wasn't as steep a learning curve as if I just, you know, started fresh new self pubbing. So I had that background to kind of fall on. But it's exciting because I got to, I got control of the entire process. And for anyone who knows me, I'm very, I'm a, a wee bit controlling when it comes to my stuff. <laughs> like I'm, I'm very picky about cover art and just the the entire production process. So having that control for everything is just exciting and it's been amazing because if I, if I need something changed, I can just change it. If I need to re-upload a file, I can do it in seconds. If I need to reformat something, I can do it in a few minutes. I can speak directly with my cover artist So it's, and it's been really educational and I just love learning and I love picking up new information and seeing what I can do with it and taking things to the next level. But it also means I could do more with my worlds, which I'm very excited about because for next year I have something really big planned and it's something I couldn't really do before, but now it's possible. So that's gonna be super exciting.
0: You got kind of to answer the question before I could ask, like, what does this mean for your readers?
3: Because I, I have control of all my worlds now, I can essentially do what I want with them. Anything that I want to do, if I want uh, to write a free book for some kind of promotion or something, I can do that. If I want to connect worlds, I can do that. If I want to do a crossover with another author, I can do that. So there, there's so many possibilities that, as like, a big like book and movie nerd that just like sparks all the right places. That's just like, Oh, I could do this. Oh, I could do this. So I'm excited about that. And, and I'm working on, on something for next year. That's kind of the thirds is a really huge world that I could do so much with. So I'm looking at a plan for a similar world, but a romantic suspense one Mm -hmm. that will connect some of the current worlds that I have now. So
0: I envision uh, a Charlie Cochet multiverse. (laughs)
3: Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. I'm so excited. So yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm working on that. So like any of the readers who enjoyed like the Kings or the, who are enjoying the lock and keys agency, there's some really awesome stuff coming.
0: I could just, everybody's not going to be like, well, what is it? Tell me more. Tell me more. Hurry up, 2020. Get here. <laughs> now, you're not all about re-releases right now, because you've got a new installment in the Paranormal Print series coming. Yes. What do we have to look forward to there?
3: Uh, well, I'm working on the second and third Paranormal Prince book. Originally, I had played around with the idea of doing six, Novellas for this series, but I'm actually just making it a trilogy. So the I had a lot of readers who are waiting for the King's book. So the King's uh, going to be the third and final book. Uh, but I'm working on the on the next two books in the Paranormal Princes. I'm hoping to get them done and have them both out sometime early January, depending on how the holidays go, because the holidays are always you never know what to expect it gets a little bit hectic but yeah I I have a lot of series going so I'm wrapping that up so that I can you know continue on to like my other series but yeah I'm excited about working on those two and I'm very excited because Greg is going to be doing Greg Tremblay is going to be doing the audiobooks so I've already listened to the first 15 minutes of the prince and his bedeviled bodyguard and it's so good It's so good.
0: (laughs) As I would expect from a Greg Tremblay book.
3: Oh, yes. It's going to be so much fun. I just like his comedic timing is perfect. So I'm really looking forward to that. That should hopefully be out sometime in uh, late December or early January. And what's
0: this series about for those who may not have picked up the first book yet?
3: The Paranormal Princes is it's about these shifter princes and there's the king of all shifters and each prince has to prove that he is worthy of his crown so each book is about the prince being given his quest to prove his worthiness but obviously along the way they find love by the end of the trilogy we'll find out what the quests were really about and it gets you know tied up neatly but it's it's you know our first book was we had an ocelot shifter prince and a wolf bodyguard who also happened to be a prince so it's just a it's a lot of fun there's a lot of humor there's a lot of banter and i just had fun with it i just let go with it and they're just these little novellas that are these paranormal shifter princes going on adventures and being snarky and sassy
0: (laughs) and probably sexy too along the way oh yes of course
3: (laughs) (laughs) yep Now, you you teased
0: just a little teeny bit about 2020 and the expansion in the third universe. Anything else you can tell us about what's coming up next year?
3: Uh, yeah, so next year we've got got the books two and three in the Lock and Keys Agency. So that's Lips Are Sealed and Behind Closed Doors. i very excited about those. This year I ended the Four Kings security series, which is four books. So we're going to have the spin-off, because I know a lot of readers are wondering, well, what about Jack? What about Joker? I'm going to start that series. And the first book will be Stacking the Deck, which is Jack and Fitz. And then we've also got the launch of the Tin series. Originally, I had hoped to start publishing it this year, but I didn't want to put those books out until the thirds was back out, Mm -hmm. because some readers were mid-series, you know, some readers wanted to start it before the new series came out, so I made the decision to hold off on ten until the the thirds were back out. So, and I'm and I'm going to be wrapping up some series like the Soldati series with the third novella. So I'm looking to wrap up some of the smaller series and launch the bigger spin off series and do some fun stuff with those. You got a lot on your plate for next year. Yes. Yes. I start off with very ambitious goals <laughs> and then depending on what, you know, the universe throws at me, just, you know, kinda get get done what I can get done. But but yeah, I've got a, a plan in place. I don't have as many conferences next year, because this year I had seven. And that kinda yeah, every conference takes a lot of time away from my writing the prep work before a conference, during the conference, recovering from the conference. So I'm pulling back to three or four for next year. It's like two reader conferences and two industry conferences to try and get my schedule back on track and get out these books that I want to to get out.
0: I imagine your readers will be happy to know that you're going to stay put and and write these books and get them out the door. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but of course, one of the places that we are going to see you next year will be in February at Coastal Magic.
3: Absolutely.
0: Which, of course, Absolutely. is practically in your backyard anyway. But.
3: <laughs> <laughs> A two hour drive. I love it. <laughs>
0: this won't be your first time at Coastal. What keeps you coming back to the beach for this weekend?
3: Coastal is just such a great environment. It's so laid back. Everyone's so friendly. You get to just hang out with readers and hang out with your fellow authors. The panels are fun. It's, it's a small, tight-knit group, so it's not overwhelming. And I just love the atmosphere of it. I know this have been coming since 2015, um, so it'll be my fifth one, sixth one. I always enjoy them.
0: What would you say to readers who are considering to make the trip in 2020 to help kind of nudge them to come join us at the beach?
3: If you don't go to a lot of conferences or maybe you're uncertain or you feel like you might be overwhelmed by a bigger conference, I mean, Coastal is just such a great place to go. Because, like I said, it's a small group of people. Everyone's very friendly. No one's ever on their own. You can hang out with other readers who are passionate about the same thing you are. With other authors, we're there all the time just to hang out, to do fun panels. So it's 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 Florida in February, so it's probably warmer than wherever you are. <laughs> <laughs> so it's it's just a, a great experience. I, I mean... I go back every year and I always have a lot of fun. So I I definitely recommend it.
0: Very cool. And how can folks keep up with you online and and make sure they're up to date as you're putting all this material out in 2020?
3: I have a newsletter, which is uh, on my website. I have a link on my website. Uh, I try not to send out more than one or two a month, depending on what big stuff is happening. I'm also, I have a Facebook reader group, So I'm in there quite a lot, and I do a lot of updates in there, I do giveaways, I do all kinds of fun stuff in there. Um, I'm on Facebook quite a bit, so that's probably the best place to find me, but through my newsletter, and I also update my website often, so you can find the books that are coming soon, or what's just come out, the books as they're releasing and everything.
0: The Facebook group's a good place to be, because those thirds covers get dropped there first.
3: (laughs) They do, they do. I'll just
0: put that out there.
3: Yeah. (laughs) You get to see them first, and I do a little, I have theme days, so like every Tuesday is Tuesday treats, so it's either a giveaway or an excerpt or a sneak peek to the next book, so we have a lot of exclusives um, in there for fun stuff for readers. Awesome. Well, Charlie, thank you so much
0: for coming and talking to us, and look forward to seeing you in Daytona in February.
3: I know. I look forward to seeing you, too. Thank you so much for having me. Awesome.
1: (laughs) This week's interview transcript is brought to you by our community on Patreon. If you'd like to read the author interview for yourself, simply head on over to the show notes page for this episode at
0: biggayfictionpodcast.com. And thanks again to Charlie for hanging out with us and talking about her re-releases, what's coming up next year, and that she's looking forward to Coastal Magic. And of course, Coastal Magic is a beachside reader weekend that celebrates the magic of stories and storytellers. It's a super casual convention and book signing in daytona beach florida and their goal is to bring authors and readers together for a memorable weekend by the beach with panels designed to start interesting discussions and meet and greets with fun themes there's something for just about every reader saturday's book sale and signing is open to convention attendees and also open free to the public the featured author lineup showcases not only best-selling favorites but debut and new to you authors that are sure to catch your attention We hope you join us for all the fun February 20th through 23rd, 2020. You can get all the details at coastalmagicconvention.com. Okay,
1: guys, I think that's going to do it for this week's show. Just a quick reminder, you can help support the Big Gay Fiction Podcast with a monthly pledge through Patreon. The additional support of our super fans helps pay for the cost of producing and distributing this show. Joining is super easy, and you'll get special monthly bonus episodes, early access to author interviews, and the Patreon-exclusive show, Big Gay Fiction After Dark. For a complete list of all the perks that come with being a Patreon community member, simply go to patreon.com slash biggayfiction. Fiction Podcast. Now, coming up in episode 217, we've got a roundtable discussion on romantic suspense featuring L.A. Witt, Layla Rain,
0: and Gregory Ashe. I had such a great time organizing this discussion while we were at GRL. I could tell you that almost each one of these authors next week is going to reveal a little something about their stories that I guarantee you, you either didn't know or will not suspect coming. Ooh delicious teasing those delicious little tidbits. Well, what else can you do with romantic suspense? Of course there should be some tease in there.
1: <laughs> okay, everyone, remember, no matter where life takes you, the journey will always be sweeter when you have a book. Until next time, everyone, please keep turning those pages and keep
0: reading. Big A Fiction Podcast is part of the Frolic Podcast Network. Find more podcasts you'll love at frolic.media/podcasts. For detailed show notes and links to everything discussed in this episode, go to
1: biggayfictionpodcast.com. New episodes are available every Monday at all major podcast distributors. You can also find us on YouTube. I'm Derek McLean. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week.